0: Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo Resilience Show. To Ben Like Bamboo is to master change with flexibility. And on the show, I'm interviewing very special guests talking about all things resilience. So welcome to the show, Rosie Dumbrell. Well, thanks
1: for having me, Amanda. <laughs>
0: That's all right. It's so great to have you. Thank you for coming on. Let me introduce you properly. So mm-hmm. Rosie Dumbrell is a women's, um, women's health-interested physiotherapist with a background as a fitness, Pilates, and yoga trainer uh, with specialist qualifications in pregnancy and postpartum fitness, wellness, and yoga. She's also a passionate mother to three boys, four and under, and launched Lenny Rose Active in 2019. Lenny Rose is a motherhood apparel brand that fuses functional sport, classic, seasonless elegance, and stands to educate and empower women through pregnancy and motherhood through her podcast, um, Mama Matters and Pregnancy Fitness and and a wellbeing platform, Rose Fit. Rosie knows firsthand the juggle of a family, small business, and a And physical and mental well-being and is passionate about promoting positive body image through her brands never photoshopping models on any materials and only ever working with real pregnant postpartum mums this stems from having overcome a long-held eating disorder from her teens to early 20s wanting to help women to embrace themselves as they are through every stage of their journey Rosie I think you're so cool <laughs> well, right back at you. <laughs> now, we met. Was it? I think it was 2014 by memory. So it was a little while yeah. ago.
1: It would have been at the um, at Rise, I think. Yeah, Rise at, and yoga your yoga yeah.
0: studio, which I went to <laughs> religiously when it was open, and um, and just your knowledge. Like, you're not just a yoga instructor. You really do have that, you know, that knowledge on. You know, you're a physio, and you've just done so much. But you're really passionate you're a passionate mama now. <laughs> I am. And
1: ever expanding mother. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of babies. Probably easiest to hide on a, like, a little bit higher up camera. But <laughs> I love
0: it. I told you the other day, you remind me of Emma, Emma Isaacs from Business oh Chief.
1: She's absolutely like an idol of mine, but I don't think, I think four is enough. I don't, I don't think I'll go to six. <laughs> She's got six kids, wow. We'll
0: see, we'll see uh, what yeah, happens. never say never. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive in. Um, I, let, I want to talk about resilience with you. And, and first of all, what does resilience mean to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think resilience to me, I, I don't know, I've never kind of looked up a definition of it specifically, but to me, resilience is having the sort of the tools, the determination, um, I guess the, yeah, the want to sort of bring yourself back on course whenever, you know, life doesn't go your way and when there's like speed bumps and sort of, you know, when, when things are sort of haywire, I feel like resilience is being able to sort of center yourself almost you know it's a little bit like having um in yoga we call it equanimity so it's like the storm like goes around you and you sort of you know you're a candle that sort of doesn't even flicker um but i I don't think necessarily it's that's exactly the same as resilience i think obviously resilience it's not that you don't get beaten down and you don't um you know weather the blows of life but you can sort of you know, have the fortitude to sort of put yourself, you know, one step at a time and just keep going. And I think it takes a lot of different skills to sort of um, have resilience. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, it's not, it's something that particularly we need to build in our young people and our children yeah. um, to be resilient enough to just, you know, whether what comes up in life, it's, you know, it's never works out the way that you think it's going to, um, you know, and you're a really great example of that, of having had really, you know, a lot of hardship at a time where you might not have expected it and to have turned that around and sort of, um, you know, being resili- resilient enough to just to, to turn your life in a really positive direction when, you know, a lot of people might not be able to do that. So it's a real Skill, I think <laughs> it's
0: not an easy thing to do, and as we get older, I think as we go through stuff, we just get better and better at it. And some of us are able to put one foot in front of another, maybe we're more extroverted or, or, or whatever mm. it is. And I'm constantly obsessed with what is it that's what is it that um, what's the difference between people that are able to do that more effectively versus people that find it really,
1: really hard? Yeah. So,
0: um, do you have particular daily rituals that help you to be more resilient in particular?
1: yeah I mean for me um you know I've got three little boys and um and I think as a mum, it can be really um, easy to sort of not put your own health um, you know at the forefront um and but to me, I've always still prioritized being able to move my body every day and to do something for my mind every day, yeah. um, whether that's meditation or some yoga or, um, you know, I, I tend to sort of, depending on what stage I'm going through, I'll have different sort of things. I do brain priming, um, a lot of sort of yeah, you know, brain training, brain priming, things like that. But um, What's brain
0: priming? Tell me about that.
1: Well, it's sort of... Seated in neuropsycho- neuropsychology um, and, you know, a really great, there's a really great British psychologist, Marissa Peer, and she says that our mind believes whatever we tell it. So you I have to tell her. it good things. Yeah. <laughs> She's so great, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we, we really are what we think. And, yeah. um, and you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my life working on my physical health. I'm really passionate about like eating well, eating whole foods. Um, and and exercising every day uh, and listening to your body when the days don't feel right to exercise too. But um, by and large, movement is, is really it's ingrained in my soul. I sort of have to move every day. Um, so, yeah, like neuropsychology is basically all oh, that sort of brain priming is um, creating pathways in your brain um, that then can override perhaps what is subconscious to us. Like we all have our... Um, I guess our ingrained thought patterns, our ingrained habits. And you know, for me, it's always been around like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways that serves that serves a lot of people to be like really driven, and it certainly has me, but I also recognize that it, it can be a downfall as well. Um, and it's also the thing that can stop me from, you know, being in the place that I want to be. Yeah. So um Yeah, it really depends on sort of where I'm at as to how much of that I'm doing. But um, it does really help me just to remember that like what we think, the thoughts that pop up in our head, um, they're not, they're not true necessarily. They just, they might be um, subconscious. (laughs) And I, I actually remember in a, sorry, you go. I just remember in a consult, a kinesiology consult with you, you have this um, in your book, you've got um, this like iceberg drawing and it talks about the conscious and the subconscious mind. And, you know, that subconscious does really rule most of our behaviour. And so brain priming is about rewiring some of those um, subconscious brain patterns. And it takes work, um, but I feel like it's yes. quite effective. <laughs>
0: what I love about kinesiology, it helps me to identify what is going on in that subconscious because um, the muscles are connected to the brain. Uh, on that subconscious level and using those chinese medicine principles it's just fast tracks i I guess that's my own version of of brain priming is Mm. um yeah i love that so cool you know what i love about marissa Pierre is she has this really great example of your body believes what you tell it and i actually Mm. um i i I use her lemon example in some of my workshops because it's it's like imagine you've got a lemon and you're chewing it and you close your eyes and you just you know, ripping the flesh with your teeth and you're sucking the beautiful sour juices of the lemon.
1: I can feel it happening already just listening to you. So you have this,
0: like, you imagine it and then you have this biochemical reaction and then, you know, we're either in survival and stress or growth and repair and it's a perfect example of what you think fires your biochemistry Um, and your body believes what you tell it and then you open your eyes and you realise, no, there is no lemon there, but your body believed there was and, you know, what you think, It's a butterfly effect. It it, it ricochets out um, all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our choices, what you say, our internal dialogue, how you talk to other people. This ricochets sometimes you could say one thing to one person and it would affect them for the rest of their life. Like how crazy is that? Yeah. So um, can you talk about something that you've gone through in your life that you've had to overcome
1: yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, it perhaps, I mean, it doesn't necessarily feel super relevant now, but I definitely think it's really shaped my life path um, and what I'm passionate about now. So although it sort of was a really long time ago, I was very unwell in my teens um, from an eating disorder, anorexia specifically, um, which probably really peaked when I was maybe Um, I'm just trying to think around 13. Um, And yeah, it was very, um, a very sort of uncomfortable time in my life. Very, like, I was very depressed, very like socially withdrawn. um, And, you know, I think it came from this sort of perfectionistic nature that I have. And, you know, it's also being able to control something um, quite often with an eating disorder. But I think for me, my self worth was really um, never that great, and it sort of, you know, manifested in in that way for me. Um, and it took a really long time to sort of, you know, it's. I think people see eating disorders as a physical disorder, but really, it's it's a disorder of the mind, um, and so it's a it's a mental health issue, and um, it's not something that you can just sort of fix by feeding someone. <laughs> um so it did take a really long time for me to sort of get well again um you know I probably wasn't really of healthy body and mind and you know for 10 years or so um so that was yeah and and probably in the middle of that uh, when I was probably in year 11 or 12 maybe year 12 um yeah that would have been like my real wow. low point like deep in the trenches of it all um what a hard year to have that too. Yeah, I was school captain and like, you know, like head of like sporting teams and debating teams. And it was just so inappropriate. Like it was really rife in our school. And I just remember like I wasn't the only like anorexic, like, like school captain. Like, I, you know, a couple before me in sort of prefects and school school years, like in my time, you know, in the five years I was in the senior school. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was unfortunately quite common. And I think it um, it does tend to go with that sort of real type A personality, real perfectionist, really driven. Um, but, you know, um, and as I said before, like those things can really serve us to do great things and to, to go great places in life. But that egg can also be the thing that undoes us. And I guess I'm just really lucky that I was able to turn that around um, and get healthy again. But, you know, it, it definitely was a very... Very long journey. Talk <laughs> to
0: me about how you felt at your lowest point. Talk to me about that
1: part. Yeah, I mean, I think at the lowest point, I was probably year 12, and maybe the following year, I took a gap year and I was working um, like three jobs. I'd work, get up and work at a bakery from 5 till 10, 5 a.m. till 10 a.m., and then I'd go and work a cafe job from like 10 till 3 in the daytime, and then I'd go and work in a resort at nighttime from like six till 10 or 11 um and um I was working yeah I was just working so much and um I guess trying to like put it aside um and it really you know it really didn't work um and I think the the turning point for me was just like my mum um and seeing her I just lived alone with my mum at that point point. my sister had moved out when I was really you know maybe 12 or 13. So I hadn't lived with us for a while. And my, my father didn't live there either. Um, And so it was just me and my mom and like, she's my best friend. And she really like helped me through the tough times, but I could see that it was just slowly, like it was killing her emotionally. Like it was so hard for her because I was so unwell and I was so underweight. And I think she was just really getting to that desperation of like something, this is, you know, I might not live type thing. Um, So I could see, and I guess there was just a moment she took me to hospital and was like, you know, you're going to have to be admitted to hospital. And, you know, we checked it out and everything. And I was just like, okay, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I can do this. I don't, so embarrassed. One, I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to be in hospital for this. And number two, I, I, you deserve better than what I'm putting you through. And I think it was initially for her, like I just, I was motivated to stop giving her so much pain (laughs) and then um, yeah. And so, yeah, that was was probably my prime motivator at that point, but I was so depressed and lonely and, you know, because it's very isolating. You can't, a lot of like socialization is around food and drink and um, it's not normal to want to be involved in those things. Um, So I found it very stressful and I would avoid things a lot and, at that point, all of my friends were just like saying stuff to me, like we're really worried about you and it was all, and even their parents. And it was very like, yeah, I just was always like, ah, I'm such a burden to everyone. And it was, yeah, it was a really tough time, but I definitely felt like there was a, a, that sort of turning moment where I was like, all right, I can't keep doing this to my mom. Like she's my like rock, my number one. And I really, I don't want to put her through the pain. So I think I was yeah definitely motivated by her to get better initially. And then, over time, I realised, like, I had to do it for myself as well.
0: So if what we believe is what matters and also is connected to our bodies, what do you, what do you think you had to change your mind about that you were believing that manifested as an eating disorder?
1: Um, yeah, for me, I think um, I, yeah, I was bullied a lot, like, you know, for being a redhead and I was, you know, always quite skinny and had, <laughs> oh, my God, and had... Um, <laughs> Kids can be assholes, right? Like, yeah, uh, and just I had like, you know, I was quite, I was already quite thin, so I had these like chicken legs, and I think I just was so, I just always felt so ugly and so unpretty, and that's
0: what you started to believe, I
1: guess. Yeah, really. Like, it's taken. It took me till like my thirties to be like, all right, I can have like nice long red hair, and I do lo- I do love my hair. I'm not yes. ashamed of it. Yeah. But it it, t- it took me till like thirty, literally. Like, I always had these short like you know, mohawk hairdo's that I would like color different colours because I I hated being a redhead. Like I peroxide I was like that yeah. who's the lady who's the lead singer of Roxette. I can't remember her name, that lady from the 80s, but I literally oh, had gosh, that gosh. like hairstyle for a while. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was definitely around like feeling unworthy because I felt like I was ugly. And I just always, I think I always felt like I didn't belong. Um, I wasn't good enough. I, de- I definitely feel like... True
0: with their comments and then... Yeah. How did you change your mind about it
1: as you grew older? Um, I mean, I, I, so we tried seeing a few different people and things like that, but I just, I, I literally would go to like one appointment and the person clearly didn't understand what was going on. Like back then, I really don't think it was like that. You know, this is you know 20 years ago more than 20 years ago like I just don't think it was really you know the definitely not that well understood and so um I was like right I just have to do this myself and so initially it was literally just like eating recovery like trying to get myself to a healthy weight and I remember like my lunch break from like work I would be like just like crying and like sipping on a nippy's ass honeycomb and like eating a sandwich and just like crying but forcing myself to eat it like thinking about my mom and then I'd be like all right I've got to go and have something else after that too. And I'd be like, just, I'd just think of my mum. But then, you know, I discovered yoga in my twenties and um, I think I, um, yeah, just really started to like, r- realise that like, I'm not what I think about myself. I'm not my yeah. thoughts. Um, and the, you know, like I have the, the power to change my life's path. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think it was a lot of work in yoga. And I did go to this... um to go to this course, I'm just trying to think what it's called. They're really a landmark. I don't know if you've ever heard, yeah, of, landmark. heard of
0: landmark. very famous, very famous. Yeah,
1: really landmark. famous, a little bit cult-like, not necessarily like something <laughs> that I would like, you know, pro- overly promote, but there was this one moment in in this, like I did this weekend course and it was like yeah. they got yeah. us to do this exercise and um, I just remember there was like 500 people in the room and, um, and like halfway through this exercise where everyone's like got their eyes closed and silent i just i burst out laughing because i just it just clicked that <laughs> like everyone is just as afraid of me as i am of them yeah and so yeah it was it was really a light bulb moment i'm like we're yeah. all like we're all we're afraid. all in this we're all we're in are
0: we're so connected isn't that what we've just learned in the last year yeah. we are all so connected and who is born with amazing confidence and self-esteem really it's a learned, it's a learned it's, acquired. It's learned.
1: Skill. Yeah. It's absolutely learned and it's, it's, it's rare. And I think, yeah. And I always assumed that confidence was like arrogance. Um, well, that's, that's <laughs> important to acknowledge too. So maybe yeah. you were
0: avoiding stepping into that because yeah. you felt like it could be um interpreters arrogance that's really interesting and it's so interesting that you talk about the issues of control in relation to eating disorders because when i work with um clients with ms and particularly with my own um journey with ms it's very much about the brain which is the control center and it's always always so much about perceiving that you're out of control and then for Mm. me i i yeah i'm a type personality as well i will keep really busy and i'm an overachiever sometimes Mm. i'm feeling control Mm, that with work, we can do that with food. We can do that with so many different habits. and It's so interesting how it manifests differently for everybody,
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think um there were definitely like a few light bulb moments like that, and um, just a lot of work, a lot of inner work on yeah retraining my brain. And I still have to do it yep. to this day. Like, oh you yeah, and eating disorder is like um, being. An alcoholic like you constantly you know getting <laughs> to put yourself in AA basically um, what are your triggers? <laughs> um my triggers I mean I it's not I'm not really triggered around food any anymore like it's not not really anything to do with food these days I'm still very conscious of putting healthy things into my body um but like I'll eat an ice cream you know if I want an ice cream and I always have the birthday cake at parties and you know so yeah, yeah. um I have a much more holistic approach um, and I also really believe that like what you believe about something, what, what you believe about what you put into your body, like yes. is a really big, is so, really important too. Totally. So like, yeah. Um, although, you know, I, I definitely do really enjoy a plant-based diet and sort of yeah. whole foods and all that stuff, but um, that's because it makes me feel good. <laughs> um, but triggers would definitely be. Um, Probably emotional as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, it's so funny. I just feel like. You just attract, like life has this funny way of like bringing into your life, like what you need, yes. and what, what is going to teach you the lessons that yeah. you need. And, you know, I definitely like growing up, like money was really like um, tough for us. And I think I've always had the belief that like money's bad. Um, and it's really interesting that I've ended up like marrying someone who's, you know, relatively wealthy and that really has pushed my buttons and has been really, something that i've really had to work on um just like yeah not being triggered by that and you know and, receiving frequently. and seeing it <laughs> yeah. as
0: a thing in a way that you can mm. even sort of
1: <clears throat> help and be more and um yeah yes yeah, yeah so that's been that's been yeah a really big journey um and yeah. still something that i have to work on and i think especially because um yeah, especially, I still think I need to work on like worrying about what people think of me because, you know, I'm a really hard worker and I always yeah. have been, and I'm so passionate about what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and I would, I really have to be because it is a, it is a really big juggle with three little kids and like, um, you know, just trying to, trying to do what I'm trying to do with, you know, the yeah. childcare like two days a week. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's sometimes three days a week. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely, well, I've seen definitely you on your journey the right in
0: the last decade. Yeah. You've like really st- chosen more and more project that, the projects that nourish you, that feel more, mm-hmm. very purposeful and have good, greater mm-hmm. meaning. Talk to me about Lenny Rose Active.
1: So yeah, so Lenny Rose, we officially launched at the start of last year, 2019. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've always been in that sort of health and well-being space, coming from like a personal training into physio and yoga. Um, and as I said to you, like moving my body has always been something that's so important. But particularly as a mum, like just putting that sort of putting my, you know, putting yourself first, putting oneself first, and in terms of like moving your body and educating yourself on sort of what's nourishing um, has been really key for me. And um, so when I was, you know, wanting to sort of continue my yoga practice and, um, you know, stay fit and healthy in my first pregnancy, I was just like, what the hell is this? crap I've got to wear here. Like I feel like yeah. I don't even want to wear that in front of myself. Like I bought a few different maternity things and they didn't support my body. They were so unflattering and they were quite either like, you know, something really expensive, um I won't name any brands, but really expensive and sort of more on that medical um sort of side. And then they were really just looked terrible as well they were really functional but looked terrible and then or there was just like really cheap and nasty and you know you're not outlaying a lot of money but like you'd put them on first time in the semen split or yes. just really gross designs yeah. um not well thought out and i just yeah. thought you know we deserve better than this so Love that it. sort of was my first pregnancy but it wasn't until my second pregnancy where i actually started doing something about that because i was just like oh this again i've got absolutely nothing to wear I feel uncomfortable, I wanna exercise, but I don't feel like I've got bump support or pelvic support. Yeah. Um so that sort of started that journey. It was actually my husband had a beer with a friend of his who worked at a clothing manufacturer <laughs> and they had a they were chatting and then he was like okay. oh Rosie should come in and chat to us so i always like blame my husband when he's when he's like why are you <laughs> working so hard i'm like well you started it Who you started um, it <laughs> <laughs> so i think you know thankfully he did but yeah, um yeah. so that started started that. but i mean it's never it's never really been about the clothes like it, i'm really passionate about the, about Lenny Rose and about um, helping women to feel confident and to um, find stuff that like fits them well and and makes them feel great um, and supports their body, but like it's it's also been a platform for me to educate women. Um, and so, great. yeah, it started with the clothing, and then yeah. earlier this year we launched the podcast um, where. I share my own expertise, but I also interview experts um, as you're doing um, and sort of, you know, so everything from gynecologists, obstetricians to um, midwives to cool. yeah. the women's health physio side of things. And then, yeah, I've just recently in August launched an online membership platform called RoseFit, which is um, a culmination of, I guess, my training and my knowledge. And, you know, I was talking to this about my husband about this last night. I'm like, I feel like I just have this really you know i have a really unique take on um how a woman should prepare and move her body in pregnancy and it served me so well i've had three great pregnancies um yeah up to number four now um, <laughs> I love it. But, um and three really amazing births and like you know <laughs> unassisted, unmedicated births, really quick um and good recoveries. And I, I just don't think that's an accident. Like I just I think I'm at genetically yeah. yeah, I'm genetically like I'm genetically blessed for sure. Um yeah. but because of the way I carry myself in pregnancy and I prepare I start preparing my you know, I never stop preparing my body um but I start preparing my mind for birth. Um, your body
0: believes what you tell it. And I, yeah. I really believe you. I really think that that's affect how your pregnancy and birth goes.
1: Yeah. So sure. I, yeah, I start with my sort of like mind training, like hypnobirthing and sort of meditation you know, about halfway through my pregnancy. So like every day I'll meditate on it and, you know, I'm doing like yoga to help open up my pelvis and to strengthen my pelvic floor and, you know, and the way that I train my body in terms of strengthening and keeping myself pain-free, yeah, um, a strong body and, and posturally and all that sort of stuff. So I have, I feel like, you know, you go see a women's health normally and a women's health physio. So I'm a physiotherapist and I have specific additional women's health training and um, pre and postnatal fitness training, but I'm not a, Um, like a traditional women's health physiotherapist in that I don't like see clients and do internal examinations and things like that. I do have, I have had some training in that, but I don't do that sort of as a daily thing. Um, That's not my sort of bread and butter, but, um, but, you know, I feel like you go and see a women's health physio and you're pregnant and maybe you've got another kid and they'll say, please don't lift your toddler. Um, You know, here are some strategies to like not have to lift and like cuddle your kid. And I'm like, "Mm, I, I get that because, I see you're trying to reduce the load for her, but I don't know. That's not how I want to live my life. I'm like, I want to be able to, um, you know, unless there's some specific issues that you already have and you're minding those, um, I just think, you know, like, why don't we help a woman be, be strong for the task that she needs to and help her pelvic floor and her core understand what to do when it's under load. So that, love that. Um, yeah, I mean, like I, I have, yeah, three kids. And when I put them all in a pram, I've got this like pram that fits all three of them. Um It's about, it's probably more than 60 kilos, 65 kilos. And so to say like, oh, don't lift anything heavy when you're pregnant. Don't like, I'm like, Okay, that's great, but then how am I going to be fit for the task of what yeah. I need to do every day? So, yeah, yeah, and so I feel like I have a little bit of a different view on that. I'm very much like can help women to, to um, understand how to make their body how to maximize to step up their to that situation. Task.
0: You know, the ripple effect of what you just said is enormous in terms of probably postnatal depression and how you feel mm. when you become a mother for the first time and not feeling isolated, like you believing in that and um helping women with that is actually massive massive Mm. that's so cool
1: yeah oh thank you i mean there is so much great research to suggest and you know everything that i do is evidence-based like i've i've got my bibles of like you know thick evidence-based information on pregnancy exercise and abdominal separation and pelvic floor and i've like studied those and so i'm not just like picking some random no, you you know, know what you're thing about. that I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of, it is my own thought leadership, but it's definitely based on, you know, okay, like putting the pieces together of what we know. Um but yeah, like some of the research suggests that if a woman exercises three times a week for up to thirty minutes um, until like when she goes into labour, that she can reduce the length of her labour by up to a third. She recovers faster, and she's much less likely to experience anti- and postnatal depression. Like it's just it's literally like three times a week, thirty minutes. Like it's it's not yep. a lot. <laughs> totally achievable. Um, Yeah. So I just think like there's some really great evidence-based information as to why we need to move our bodies. And I think a lot of women are scared, maybe. They don't know what to do. There's a lot of crap information out there, like, you know, like follow a celebrity who's doing this workout on Instagram. Great. But like, is that really... What yeah. we should be doing. I don't know. Maybe maybe sometimes it's okay. Maybe a lot of the time yeah. it's not. But <laughs> so you're educating and you're inspiring people
0: with um, evidence-based knowledge. And that's really, really, really cool and important. So can you tell me, how is your life better having gone through what we um, discussed about, you know, how you grew up with an eating disorder?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like what you go through just shapes who you are. Um, and like I said to you before, it's still something that manifest in different ways now and I have to keep myself in check for sure. Um, but, you know, it's really helped me to be able to mentor um, other young girls going through it. Um, I, I definitely do that less so now um, that I have a sort of full family, but um, definitely in my yoga studio days I would sort of regularly mentor some young girls and, um, and you know, I think it's really shaped what I believe about you know what, I feel like we have a responsibility to like, to share with other women and to, um, to share with our, you know, our growing generation, um, you know, like to, to, to embrace who we are and, um, you know, as the conversation about like hair or whatever before, like, yeah. I, you know, I really like love being a redhead now. Like I don't want to dye my hair a different color.
0: Yeah, and you <laughs> um, it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful color.
1: It's, it's really helped me to like, yeah, eventually embrace, embrace who I am. And it really, like, I really worry for, um, Oh, just like our, upcoming generations when there's just so much um you know like even on video advertising now like it's all it's all it's, it's all airbrush. like it's not just like a static photo that they can like brush all the lines out and change people's body shapes it's like video in motion like there's apps on that you can do on your phone like and it just like oh it pains me because it's already hard like you know it's already hard and then those sort of things you know give us unrealistic expectations yeah. um So I think it's definitely, it's definitely put me on my life path and it's definitely made me really passionate about, um, supporting, um, other women and yeah, we don't, you know, we definitely use like just real mums and women in our campaigns and never Photoshop their bodies. And I think that's really important. Um, and we've just, um, increased our size range, um, for our tights. And then next year we're bringing out bras up to like a 40 double G. Cool. Um, so we, yeah, I mean, we, you've got to start somewhere. I always would have loved to start with that, but when you're testing yeah. the waters with a new concept, um, we certainly started with a much smaller range, but you know, it was always my vision to get there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I think it really just, it's really shaped who I am and my values and, yeah. um, I'm really aware that even though I have young boys, um, not girls, I think, uh, I mean, who knows? This little one could be a girl, but I doubt, it.
0: <laughs> so I doubt it. I'm so surprised. And I'm like, oh my
1: God, I don't even know what to do. <sighs> anyway, either way, it's great. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like we have a I have a responsibility mm. to like talk in a way that's like positive about my own body and other women's and other people's bodies, and to you know, I actually did an interview last week on my podcast with um, a a body image researcher and she was saying that like kids know from the age of three that like fat is bad and thin is good and Mm. the biggest influence is in our home and because you know it's it's our home it's the media and it's peers but when they're really young they're not really watching media that necessarily would talk about that yeah. I don't think um, yeah. they're not really subject to advertising, etc. Um, yeah Peers, like that's probably minimal as well. It really is like how we shape what they, what, you know, whether we make something fat that's good or bad or whether it's just neutral or just is what it is. And yeah. my four-year-old's being like, mom, I can't wait till your tummy gets really fat. <laughs> and like, the way he says it is so clear. like, yeah, make me mean. Like it's going to be so fat because there's a baby in there. <laughs> I'm just, I, like, I think it. once upon a time I would have like cringed but I just I love it it's kind of like yeah it's gonna be so fat cool. and we just laugh
0: oh that's that's so cool well, it will show us how much you've grown and transformed and you know like the kids have obviously been a huge part of that and to see it from Ugh. a different perspective yeah mama's gonna be so fat like
1: <laughs> And it's cool like it's fine <laughs> and you know they're like oh my tummy's so fat and i'm like yeah it's because you just had a big beautiful meal and that food yeah. is gonna like help you to like go and jump on the trampoline later like it's yeah. fine like it's not good or bad <laughs> that's right so tell me if
0: there's one thing that you've learned on that journey one main thing what is it
1: oh, that we just we are what we believe we are like it's all up to us i think um you know, like we often look outside of ourselves for um, yeah. information and um, guidance and answers. And like, I think that's that's really great. And like, it's definitely helped me along the way. But like, at the end of the day, like I I haven't found someone that like can really give it all to me. And I it's by doing the work myself. Mm, go with you it. Know, yeah, going in and just like self-reflection and like, yeah, just really being aware of like, what your mind's doing and um and how it affects everything that you do so i think it really is like it's yeah it's it's going within rather than sort of expecting yeah. someone else to fix you. or to give And you it it's hard
0: to do when we, when we feel or perceive that we're out of control. You don't want to be in your body. You don't want to go within. So that's why it's really important to have daily exercises that help you to feel grounded and anchored and feeling good because when you feel well and happy and relaxed and more in the moment, you're more inclined to see things with fresh eyes, uh, see your situation from a different perspective so you can change your mind that you may not be out of control as you originally perceived. And, you know, yeah. that's what it's all about so what um do you have three tips for everybody today as we close up
1: (laughs) definitely so yeah I mean I think this might sound slightly contradictory I've got two like sort of contradictory things but I think they're both important so um like number one would be like if you are really stuck and you you feel like you can't sort of like get out of the the way that you are and it's it's not how you want to be you're not feeling um Good, however it is physically or mentally, um you know there go and find someone that can that can help you for yeah. sure like seek support um and whether that's a friend or a professional or whatever it is like definitely, I think sometimes yeah. that can be a really good catalyst for change, yeah if you can't sort of like get that ball rolling yourself love it, but then I think like equally coming back to what I said before like. No one else can fix you. So number two is like you've got to do the work. Um, Love it. You know you can definitely be inspired by others and sort of get some great um, guidance and, and knowledge and things like that. But at the end of the day, like it's completely up to you. Like how yeah. do you run your day. And something that I'm like constantly reminding myself is like I can like wake up and do whatever I want like each day. Like what do I want to do? Like I have three yeah. kids and obviously have a business, have responsibilities, but yeah. like um like you know yeah I, I mean i love listening to podcasts and i listen to um the seize the ea podcast as well with sarah yeah she's Davidson great and, yeah she's so great and um her one that she interviewed um carolyn i think it's cresswell who's the founder of carmen's and she's got four little kids and Um, you know, obviously a very, very big multinational business, but she was like, you know, every January I do like this big audit and I'm like, how do I want my day to look and how do I want it to start? And like, what needs to go and what needs to come in? And it's that constant reminder that like, we, we might feel like we can't, but actually like generally, like we can shape our day. And even if it's like, you know, okay, we need to be in a job that we don't love because of, you know, the current global situation and we just need to get some money in or, you know, but it that that might be the case but then it's like okay well how do we approach that mentally like that's right um, how do you conduct yourself in that
0: and and who you are and how you show up is absolutely always a choice
1: Mm, so and then I don't know if that's three already but my last one this one I always think um I just always remember like Treat each one like the only one. Like every time you, like have a customer or um, yeah. interact with somebody, like just treat them like they really matter because they do. Like one person, each one person, each person that you interact with every day, like really matters. Um, they do. You impact yeah. people's lives. Um,
0: like we said before, you can say one thing and so on, it will impact someone for the rest of their lives, hopefully positively, (laughs) but you know, and sometimes, you know, negatively and we don't even realise, but Mm. there's a ripple effect in all that we do. Rosie, I think you're so cool.
1: Oh, thank you, so great. I can't believe it's taken this for us to like reconnect, but uh, maybe post-COVID we can have a a hug in the coffee. I would (laughs) love that. We're 100% going to do that. And so
0: (laughs) um, if you want to check out Rosie, um, if anyone wants to check out your website and your beautiful range, it's lennyroseactive.com.au and your podcast is on there too, isn't it, on your website? Podcast
1: is on there and RoseFit's on there as well. Like it's all kind of under the one sort of, you know, parent brand, so yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on
0: and everybody, no matter what it is that you're going through, you know, what you believe is what matters. And I believe that you can overcome anything and discover what you are made of. See you guys.